I don't feel negatively about my past. I don't have any, like, even towards those two men, mm-hmm. I don't have any negative feelings towards anybody in my past. And then I had the white skirt with the pink vest top. We 100% planned that. 100% Probably. we planned that. And then one of us had, like, pink stilettos and the other one had white stilettos. <laughs> <laughs> so funny and this is me look look i had six children by that point yeah. look at me i had six children and she's all skinny and looking beautiful and glam she was very very glamorous we're both busy and we both you are like just i feel i need to make an appointment now <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you do yeah <laughs> Hi, welcome back to Emily Abraham Presents the Love Luxury Podcast. Today I have with me my oldest and dearest friends. And when I say oldest, I'm not talking about how old she is. I'm talking about the fact that I've known her forever. So this is my friend Sarah and she's come all the way up, haven't you? From the West Country, on the train with your little one. Uh, just to do this for me today. So I'm really appreciative of that. So thank you very much. I really appreciate oh, you coming you up. Thank you for asking me. Oh, who, else, who else better could I have than one of my oldest friends? <laughs> Why not? So just a little bit of history. Sarah and I met when I, I think I was between 17 and 18 when we met. And, but we'd known, seen each other before because mm-hmm. you lived right by the school that I went to for a while yeah. with your partner so I'd seen you mulling around but we became friends when we started working at that department store absolutely and you worked in Bieber yeah concession manager yes you were concession <laughs> manager and I worked at Wallace to start with and then the jewelry and then counter. I went on to the jewelry counter onto the jewelry concession which was like pulling teeth on my God, that was hell. But I did that job amongst all the other jobs that I was doing as well. Mm -hmm. So you literally have known me for my entire adult life. Yeah. And I've known you for most of your adult life as well. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, because you're not that much older than me. So, you know. Not too much. (laughs) You're not. You're only a little bit. (laughs) So basically, the reason I asked you to come on is because lots of people have misconceptions about me and they also have a lot of questions. And I thought, who better to get on that's going to probe and ask the questions than one of my best friends? Mm -hmm. And we talk, we get on so well. We're obviously both really busy with our careers. You work for Tom Ford now. You're, you know, like manager at Tom Ford. You're doing so well with your career. I'm really proud of you. Um, and I'm busy doing Love Luxury and everything that Love Luxury has and entails. So we don't get to spend as much time even talking to each other as we used to. No, but then lives just, you know, it just gets in the way and gets busy, doesn't it? But mm. the test of a proper friendship is when you do get back together and it feels like you were only talking a month ago or a week ago. You can kind of pick up where you left off. But it could be months and months yeah. in between proper conversations. Yeah, I agree. 
um, wholeheartedly. And I feel like our com- our relationship's never been strained. Like we've never had a no. period in our relationship where we've not got on or not wanted to talk to each other. It's just life gets in the way. Yeah. So that's why I asked you to be on. So um, let's give them a little bit of an insight as to who we were back in the days <laughs> in our teenage, <laughs> in our late teens, early twenties. And <laughs> And um, the kind of lifestyle that we led. So I remember that you used to have like a little bed sit, flat, small, yeah. compact and bijou. Very independent, doing your own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I came out of the relationship. Yeah. And then, yeah, I got the the little bijou bed sit. Yeah. With the yellow curtains. Can you remember the yellow curtains? No, I don't remember the specifics of the curtains. (laughs) Bizarre what you remember. Yeah. But yeah, and it was only, what, 10 minute walk from your bijou little place that you had. Yeah, not far. Yeah, we were quite close to each other. And I think that at that point in our lives, we built such a solid and strong relationship. Like we were inseparable. All day, every day. We were like sisters. Literally, we, you know, we... Sp- Everyone used to ask us. If yeah, we they did. Sisters. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I think that's because at that point in time, I still had really curly hair and it was mad, crazy curly. You've obviously got your curly, mad, crazy hair. And so, and I think our skin complexion, when we both tan, we both got quite a similar tone. Yeah. Although our facial features were nothing. nothing greeny like, eyes. Yeah, like the greeny eyes. We are quite yeah. similar. Yeah, when you went, yeah, but when you talk about that, then I'd say we are. But then when you look at us, yeah, we're not really. No. <laughs> but um, people did used to ask us that. But we spent, a lot of time working really hard, but we also played, played really hard. Harder. <laughs> yes, we did. We um we had some fun times out and it's funny because I I don't think about it a lot, you know, that part of my life. But it I spoke to you a couple of months ago, I don't know when it was, and you said you'd bumped into a girl from our hometown. Mm-hmm. Or my hometown. And that she had said something to you. Do you remember what she said? Oh, was it about when we kind of like walked into a club? So, yeah. And this particular girl, I remember we always used to kind of look at her like, she's so pretty, you Mm. know, like she had a lot of attention. Remember when she had like a floor length fur coat? Mm. Obviously, we're going back to the the good old 90s R&B days and we kind of envied her but yeah when I saw her and bumped into her she was like oh saying that she used to envy us and kind of look up to us and and said the party she knew that when the party had begun because that's when Sarah and Emily walked into the club (laughs) yeah that's kind of how it was though and we knew everybody knew us and we were known by everybody. And go get our drink or whatever and then literally head straight to the dance floor. And that was us. Just yeah. All night. Yeah. Dancing our little socks off. <laughs> literally all night. Definitely. And we didn't even drink much back then, you know. Okay, I don't drink now because I'm Muslim, but I did used to drink. I wasn't always a Muslim. 
So I did used to drink. I enjoyed a drink, but we didn't binge drink. No, we've never ever been the type of people to go out like some girls can now and drink to get drunk. Yeah, that's never been us. Just have like a couple, just to be in the mood or whatever. But our priority was dancing, (laughs) hundred percent, and singing along, a hundred percent. Brandy and Monica. Oh my god, don't cringe. <laughs> we did have loads of fun. We had a lot of fun times and a lot of good memories, a lot of not so good memories, obviously. Um, because, you know, I think when you're in your early 20s, late teens, it's you quite. You go through so much. You go through so much, especially if you're being independent as well. Mm-hmm which is what we were both doing. So neither of us were relying on family. Neither of us were relying on anybody but ourselves to support ourselves. And I think that's what made us a little bit different to everybody else. Yeah, and I think we understood each other as well Mm. because we've both, like, similar-ish backgrounds, upbringings and things. I think we were both in survival mode. Mm. So we had to be independent and get on with things and all of that. And I think we that probably bonded us more. And we went through a lot of rubbish times. Like... Externally. In, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we kind of had each other to get mm. through it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I remember we literally had every contact of every nightclub and bar... <laughs> They knew us. We never paid to get into a nightclub. Never queued. Never queued. We just would walk up, walk straight in. We were always guests of the DJ, guests of someone. Um, like 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 we said, we didn't really drink much, but we were there to dance and have fun and Absolutely. just enjoy ourselves and let our hair down because we did work really hard. Um, because if we hadn't have worked hard, we wouldn't have been able to survive essentially because we didn't have handouts but then again life was a lot cheaper to live back then there was less less going on yeah you know less less pressures um I've spoken about that before how like the younger generation now have a lot of pressure on them they got to look good you know talk well have this that and the other and it is a lot of pressure we didn't have that pressure it was just be yourself have fun and and live your life yeah it was easier much easier so we used to go out. I actually remember one instance of when I was working in Uncle Tony's club mm. on the Triangle where um, some guy challenged me to a dance-off on my break. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, like, I'm cringing a little bit inside talking about it, but I actually remember the DJ was a friend, so he put on music he knew that I liked to dance to. And literally, me and this guy, he was just some random stranger. But I think my friend, who also worked there, he was showing off. And she was like, oh, my friend's a much better dancer than you. Like, I don't know who you think you are. And he was like, whoa, show us what you got then. Like, come on, let's have a dance off. Oh, my God, so embarrassing. But we literally cleared the whole dance floor from our little... It started with just, like, us two, and then the whole dance floor just cleared, and there's me and this flipping fully grown man having a dance off in the middle of the club. That doesn't surprise me at all. 
how you and me used to dance. No. That doesn't shock me. Yeah. <laughs> we did have so much fun. We did. And, but we did have t- tough times too. There were times when money was tight and, you know, we were, it was just us. Um, and, I mean, you you had, you've always had good relationship with your adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. Um but at this point in time, I hadn't met my dad and you hadn't met your dad either. No. And you hadn't even met your mum, your birth no. mum at that point either. So we were both, re- like you said, both connected because we were quite similar in our backgrounds and, and what have you. You also knew my nan. Yeah. And my aunties and everybody, the crazy bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So you kind of had you you had somewhat of a relationship with my nan as well. So like a, yeah, you a know you bit. knew her and and you, she knew you you were my mate and what have you. Um, and then I suppose we got to our well. I was twenty two when I fell pregnant with my first, and I think how old your eldest now? He's he'll be 22 this year so so basically you you fell pregnant the year after 27 yeah 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 so you fell pregnant the year after it wasn't long after yeah so so we'd had this party club in lifestyle together we worked really hard together we had similarities in our backgrounds but then we both had our children yeah and I used to come around and cut his hair for you do you remember yes I I remember that and I remember babysitting for you I think you went out for some food yeah and I was babysitting for you when I was quite heavily pregnant yeah so yeah I mean we did spend a lot of time together even I mean you even put me up at one point you lived um, with me for a bit. I, I did. I did live with you for a bit. And um, I taught you how to cook some bits and bobs. You did. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had no clue at that point in your life. <laughs> no, yeah. come on, it, come on, come on. My cooking skills are better now. They are. They're, they're way they're better. Way better now. Nearly up there with you. Yeah, yeah. You're doing really well. You're doing really well. But back then, I mean, I didn't really have much of a clue, to be honest. But the little bit of knowledge that I got from my foster mum and my nan, I was like, yeah. give feed into you. And I you- think because I came from like a meat and two veg household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. not even salt was really used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you... You know, like your nan was quite a good cook, mm. and so you were sort of more experimental. More, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you showed me that path. I remember you cooking corned beef and rice, <laughs> and teaching me to do that. And do you remember the broccoli I used to make with the? Oh yeah, with the. Do you still do that? Garlic, garlic and soy sauce. I haven't done it for a while. That's such a good one. Need to pull that one out of yeah. the bag again it's good for the kids because it makes them eat it because it's so tasty yeah it's yeah my one. boys love it anyway so yeah, yeah. they're they're quite healthy eaters yeah ish yeah i think both of our our children like both of all of our children have grown up to be healthy eaters mm. like good sleepers so how old was how old were you never then? really had any problem issues with the yeah. kids have we even no. like when the boys were together when you lived yeah. with us yeah. they got on really really well yeah it was sweet I'm reminiscing about those days 
So basically, um, those were the times when, <clears throat> excuse me, we became mums and things kind of changed a little bit, obviously, because once I got my place, I was in a relationship, wasn't a very nice relationship. Mm, I remember. Um, and was being quite badly abused physically by the person that I was with. Yep. And it kind of took me out of myself. I'd already been through something similar before. Do you remember? Yeah, well, we both had. When, yeah, exactly. Which is why you left that relationship, which is where we kind of knew each mm. other from. And I had had a similar situation, year, like not long before. It was while I was at work in a, um, the department store. Mm -hmm. And he put me in hospital. Yeah, That was not a good one. So I got out of that lived my life and then I found myself in that situation again but this time I couldn't get out of it because he'd moved in with me mm -hmm. and it was really hard to get away from and it meant that by me um, leaving him I had to leave my home and that was a really hard thing for me to do because you and I fought so hard for me to get that place yeah and we yeah. did. We really did. Like, you were an advocate for me. I was an advocate for you. We were really in each other's corners and Absolutely. like helping each other. And that point was so tough for me to just leave everything I owned and make a phone call to my old boss who was in London. Because I, be between mm. us meeting each other, I'd gone to London and come back. Yeah. And... I called my old boss and I, I told him the situation and he helped me as much as he could because he was also a very good friend of mine by mm. this point, remember? I remember it all so well. Yeah. It's like it was yesterday, but time has flown so yeah. and so much has happened since. But it literally was the best thing I could have done for many yeah. reasons, for many reasons. Obviously getting away from that negative and disruptive relationship, for not just for myself, for my son as well mental health physical health everything but when I came up that time I swore I'd never move back again I said to myself I am never no matter what it takes I'm never going back again yeah. and I didn't and you've never done it and I haven't and there's been times when it's been so tough yeah. like the penny pinching the sacrifices that I've I made I do think though you know even like the really rubbish stuff that we've been through mm. it's like you have to go through those things to get where you are if you hadn't been in that relationship as horrible as it was and I wouldn't wish that on anyone but you wouldn't probably have left that area at that time mm. to then you know years down the line come and build and have what you have now it could have been a different path. So it's almost like you have to kind of go through those things. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I don't, I don't feel negatively about my past. I don't have any, like, even towards those two men, mm -hmm. I don't have any negative feelings towards anybody in my past. I feel like exactly what you said. There's no point to have any negativity. I feel quite similar as well towards people that have hurt me. Mm. There's no point in holding bitterness and hatred. I believe in karma. So, you know, but you've got to take like 
the smallest bit of positivity from something and you run with that and you know look at what you've got now yeah of course i mean i'm so blessed now i've got a partner who loves the bones of me i love the bones of him he's you know amazing father to the children he'd do anything for me and i'd do anything for him and, and we work together very well as a team not just in our personal relationship but our business relationship as well um and i am blessed and like i said like you said there's no point holding on to that negativity from the past because ultimately the only person you're damaging is yourself. And we both know that because we have at some points, both of us... We've been very damaged. Yeah. And both of us did hold on to that for quite a long time. Absolutely. Like we can't... I'm not going to pretend to people that I was hurt, physically abused, emotionally abused, mentally abused, had, had to leave my entire life, everything I knew, everything I owned to come to London with nothing but a black bag of clothes. And I was okay with that because I absolutely was not. I was, no, of course I not. was broken absolutely. at the time. I remember packing up your flat for you. It's just horrendous. It was so bad. You know, with the, the metal doors mm. on the flat that the council had put on there so that he couldn't get back into the flat. Yeah, it was just crazy. I remember, like I said, packing up the flat for you with your cousin and somehow, you know, getting all your belongings to you. Like you said, you literally left. No, with I didn't a get them. Bag. I didn't get them. They went to the council in storage and then oh, they got okay. rid of them. Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't have anywhere to live. No. I was I was couch surfing. I I literally had nowhere to go, but I couldn't leave the stuff in there. So I was like, I asked you, I asked her to help pack everything up and then they took it away basically mm. um and it's really unfortunate because I'd worked so hard to get those things that I had Absolutely. and I was so young you know at this point in my life I was like 24 and a half I, yeah I was about 24 and a half like I was really I was, it, I was below 25 and to me that's a young age to have your own belongings yes it was a council flat I don't have any qualms about that I needed help with housing um, and that's what it's there for. I had no family I could rely on to help me live. And I had a child and um, I wasn't in the relationship with his uh, his dad anymore. So I'd moved on with my life. But when I came to London that, at that point, I was so broken. I literally was in inner turmoil. I I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. And then I think it took me about... I'd say about nine months of being in London and then I, I found a, a, a flat that I rented. Like I, got, I got a job back with my old boss, so mm -hmm. I was working as his PA again and I'd managed to save up enough for a deposit and rent in advance for the flat in North London. Yeah. And um, it was a nice family area. It was quiet. At that point in time, it was actually quite a well-to-do place to be in London it was lovely yeah I don't think it is anymore but it was then <laughs> um and and then you know I'd, I'd settled and then me and you spent a summer going on holiday didn't we we did yeah <laughs> had a good little uh yeah holiday turkey yeah turkey it was nice and cheap all inclusive was it Bodrum Super cheap. was it Bodrum we went 
Gumbet. Gumbet. Yeah. But near Bodrum. But so we flew Bodrum. to Bodrum, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. And then we went to Gumbet. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, that apartment, do you remember? That apartment was so bad. Do you know the main thing that I remember from that holiday is, because somehow, I, don't, I can't remember if we actually planned it. We probably did, knowing us. But I just remember, like, the amount of matching outfits. Oh, yeah. Can you remember, like, I think I think you had the short pink skirt, like the pink mini skirt with the, like, Rishi bit on the side and a white vest top. And then I had the white skirt with the pink vest top. We 100% planned that. 100% Probably. we planned that. And then one of us had, like, pink stilettos and the other one had white stilettos. <laughs> <laughs> so funny we we really thought we were the bee's knees though we were such fashionistas <laughs> but we did have some really nice bits because we worked in the department store from before i think, I think we've always kind of had like a good style yeah because the thing is as well about that you was and me in fashion then but we never no. really followed fashion no we, we had our own style yeah we never we did we would see what i think even now, I see what's fashionable and I always put my own take on it. So I get the Absolutely. bits that I like. And and I think we were always like that. And you mentioned something earlier before we started talking. You mentioned about the photograph of us outside your, <laughs> outside your little place. Oh, yeah. With our... Combats. Com but they weren't just combats. I know I had the navy ones. And I had blue camouflage, camouflage. ones. <laughs> With the all important um, buffaloes, buffalo. I know mine weren't the actual. I think they were sketches. But remember, we had like the mule ones. Yeah, they slipped your feet in. We thought we were the bees' knees. I thought I was a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we did think we were. I mean, we even. <laughs> this is this is really embarrassing. So this is before we had our children. Mm. We even tried to make a group because we heard. Can you remember, yeah, when we went to the we went to a modelling competition. Yeah, and there was a girl. Yeah, did she work for me at the department store? I can't remember the final. She either worked there or she worked for my concession. How she was with us anyway, and we were walking out of the competition weren't we and we got can you remember the guy coming up to us and asking us if we could sing so that was what it yeah so that's how it came about because yeah. what happened from that is the Spice Girls that was the Spice Girls but can you remember him saying and we were like oh yeah of course we can <laughs> and the guy was like oh sorry I got a laugh at that because... what would you be called and from nowhere I shouted out unity because <laughs> the other girl was an African girl. Yes, you're mixed race and then I'm white. And then there's me, mixed race, and then there's you. I don't class you as white. You're mixed. You're Greek. You're Hungarian. Yeah, but they're both classed as, as no. white. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. A lot of people don't, but I, I mean, I am Caucasian by tick boxes. I'm a Caucasian. But yeah, that literally has brought tears. Sorry. <laughs> 
has brought tears to my eyes because what it's triggered the memory of is us standing around in your in my place, trying fingers in our ears, trying to sing in tune. And I have, on vogue. I cannot sing. And no, like I, I love singing. Don't get me wrong. When I'm in my car, I'll crank up the volume. I'll sing my heart out and I'll dance away while I'm driving. But I have got the worst voice. Yeah, ever. because they'd asked us to do a tape. To send the the demo tape. Yeah, that is hilarious. But you know, because what happened from that, that guy, is that they did the going around the country and they were auditioning girls and he said, turn up to the audition. But the girl didn't want to do it, did she? Do you remember? Yeah, no, she wasn't. And she, because she could sing. She was the one that could sing. I was okay ish. And I was like, But I would have just been the posh spice, just standing there. Exactly. Know. They can't all sing in the Spice Girls, can they? So we would have been fine. <laughs> but we d- we ended up not going, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't do it. Yeah. And it's a shame because who knows, we could have been one of the Spice Girls. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, and we're here now. And that's what matters. We're all on our little set paths, that's I think. It. Well, yeah. set-ish. We did. We had so much fun, honestly. <laughs> we did. We really did. The thing is, I think both of us have suffered with m- mental health problems mm. over the years. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a really good space. Like I can genuinely say that for. I used to be on antidepressants. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to people about that. I did suffer from depression yeah. and severe anxiety, and I was as skinny as a stick toothpick even because I just never ate because I was always anxious the other week you asked me to send you some pictures yeah and that picture that I sent you with our again very trendy outfits on (laughs) (laughs) um with her my my belly out belly out Mm. It was a little bando top, wasn't it? And really low-rise jeans. That was my jeans. denim. It was. Bando top. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And me with my very 90s little white shoe boots and strappy back top, top with the fake ponytail, hair slipped back. So, yeah. I mean, by that age, we, we had had our children, though. Our yeah. boys, that's when I was living with you at that point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And... We money was tight. Money was very tight. I mean, we chipped in together. We ate together. Mm. We, you know, we cooked our meals together and everything. Um, but we always prioritised our boys before ourselves. Absolutely, of course. So they would eat well, really well, and we would not eat so well. You know, if we ate. Um, and but I think our mental health. I know with with mine at the time was one of the reasons that I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. But I just rem- yeah, we were tiny. Yeah, very sm- I mean, being below a size 6 is is painfully small for anybody. And I've I stayed that size pretty much for like a good 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't really put weight on. I was always anxious same as you. We both suffered from depression and anxiety. And I think it's a lot to do with our childhoods our upbringing our identity issues and stuff like that I mean I've had identity issues because I didn't know who my dad was and you've had the same absolutely um 
And I think um, th when you're feeling that anxious and that depressed, your last thought is eating food. Like the last thing you're thinking of is eating food. And, and you literally... I mean, we used to smoke then as well. Mm -hmm. So we literally would drink tea and smoke. Yeah, We wouldn't smoke in the house with the children, obviously, because we were responsible mums. But we did smoke a lot. I mean, I smoked a lot. I don't know how many you were smoking back then. but Yeah, I think I think I used to have a cigarette for breakfast. Yeah, we did. We used to have a <laughs> cup of tea and a cigarette. You, I think you might have had coffee. And mm -hmm. and we'd be out in the garden puffing away. The boys would be sat in their high chairs eating their breakfast and we'd be out in the garden having our cigarettes and our cups of tea. And I used to smoke a lot because cigarettes were really cheap then. Yeah. Like, so cheap. They're not cheap now. You could literally have a very healthy chain-smoking habit <laughs> and be able to... <laughs> No, but you could, couldn't you? You could. They were so much cheaper. So much cheaper than they are now. And, and I, I mean, I was smoking from secondary school. So I started smoking. When I, as soon as I hit secondary school, I was smoking secretly. Sorry. I'm sorry. Don't. <laughs> sorry. The secret's Because Elaine's going to watch this and my, my, uh, my bonus mum's going to watch this. And I'm like, don't tell me off. But I did. I don't know how I got away with it. But I used to go to like the corner shop opposite your flat and buy a one, mm. a single and he used to sell me singles oh gosh, and you yeah. knew I was a, a, seven, a year in year seven. You knew I was a little kid. Um, but anyway, so yeah, sm started smoking really young and we did smoke a lot and we did drink a lot of cups of tea. And I think that is how we sustained ourselves. But actually looking back on it now, that was no good for our anxiety or our mental health. No. So we weren't helping ourselves at all by living that kind of lifestyle. Probably not. Not at all. <laughs> uh, Definitely but, not. But, but you you don't know at that age and you're just doing what gets you by. And we were just getting by, I feel. Yeah, we were just getting through things and the best we could. Yeah. Muddling through with each other. Yeah. Just got ourselves through it, didn't we? Yeah. And then I left. So I'm in London and we've done our... I was like... I'd already been away a couple of times mm. and um, I said to you, look, come on, let's do a holiday. See if you can get some childcare. Let's get some childcare and let's go away. And we did that and we went on our little holiday and we made memories and I've got the little Polaroids in the little foldy things in oh, my house. Yeah. I've got them. I'm, do you know what I'm going to try and do? I'm going to try and pull up some old pictures of me and Sarah and I'm going to try and get the editing guys to put them on. I'm going to hope that I've still got them somewhere. Um, I'm quite good at keeping photographs. I've got two massive boxes of photographs in my house, my memory boxes. And that's something else I got from my nan. She used to have tins on mm. tins on tins of photographs. Do you remember? She used to get them out yes. when people came round. And she'd go, this is her mum. Wasn't she pretty? And this is me. Look, look, I had six children by that point. Yep. Look at me. I had six children and she's all skinny and looking beautiful and glam. She was very, very glamorous. Yeah, she was. She was, bless her. Even up until I think when she reached, I think, I think it was like she got to 55 and she started putting weight on. But that's because her drinking got really heavy at yeah. that point. Yeah. But up until that point, she was not looking like anyone's grandma. That's for sure. No. And I remember <laughs> I had to go and get um, a pair of sandals for her. Can you remember? Where from? I can't remember where June. from. June. Not June. Could have. Faith. 
it was probably Faith. We loved Faith back then. Go yeah. on, tell the rest but of the you, story. But you were living up here. You were in London. And I think you had had like a similar pair or something. And your nan wanted a pair. And I had to go shopping for your nan. Sounds about right, because she never did anything for us. <laughs> go to her house, deliver her the shoes. So funny. Yeah, to then also get given a Jehovah's Witness book. <laughs> One of her pamphlets. <laughs> Learn about Jesus while you're delivering yeah. my shoes. <laughs> Bless her. Yeah. Oh. I mean, her heart was never in the wrong place. It was no, always it in the right place. It was always in the right place. Yeah. She, yeah, she just had a... An addiction, bless her. So I'm in London, I'm living my life and I'm now working the nightclub circuit and doing well for myself. And that's kind of, I believe, where we kind of started drifting further apart because obviously you were down south, I'm in London and it just it's very hard to maintain a relationship like that. But you did used to come up and used to come and visit and we used to spend time together. And then I just progressed and, and moved on. And then I've got to where I am now, essentially. Um, and like I said, you're working for Tom Ford, doing really well. You come up to London every so often and you do yeah, some training and yeah, yeah, for work. And I always try and pop by. Yes, you do. You. you do. So, yeah. So whenever you're doing a bit of training, you try and pop by if you've got enough time or... I came down from London one time to you and we went mm. out for the evening and we do try and maintain our friendship as much as we can. Yeah. But we're both busy. And we both You are like <laughs> just I feel I need to make an appointment now. <laughs> well yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I mean not because not because I don't want to see you, but because I'm so busy, like I literally have to schedule time to see people. Which is, you know, it's good and I can't complain about that. Mm. Um, it's, it is very hard to maintain any kind of relationship outside of the relationship with me and Adam just because, and the children obviously, because we are so busy and we're doing so many different things and things are moving and evolving so quickly. Mm. Um, but obviously I um, reverted in... 20 I want to say 18 but I feel like it was 2019 so 19 yeah so like I'm on my fourth year of being a revert um yeah because you hadn't reverted before your marriage did you yeah I did actually I took my shahada before my before I got married yeah I did So basically, um, Adam was at a point in his life where, um, and I was as well, I basically said to him, unless you can see this long term, I don't want to bother because I'm not wasting my time in meaningless relationships. And he was like, at at the beginning, he was like, because he'd been married, legally married and religiously married. And he was like, I don't really want to get married again. I've been through that and and it really damaged, it like damaged him mentally and emotionally. And so he was like, I don't, and I said, well, if you don't want to get married, then I don't really want to be in a, in a relationship with someone who has that outlook. Mm. So I think he must have gone away and had a, a think about it. And he was like, well, listen. If we're going to do this, let's just do it properly. Let's not do it so it's haram. 
let's do it so it's halal. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is if we have a nikah and we have a religious ceremony and then let's see how we go. And if if we want to, then we'll take that route into doing a legal marriage. And so at this point, I've not got faith in my life. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not a born again Christian like my foster family are. My my birth family were Jehovah's Witnesses, as you mentioned, mm. my nan. And I'm kind of like drifting through life, feel, feeling like there's something missing. And although I wasn't practicing as Jehovah's Witness or a born again Christian, I always carried certain values and morals and I always remembered certain things. And one thing that I will say is this. People slate Jehovah's Witnesses when they've left the the church. Uh-huh. Yeah? You see it a lot. I even see it on my comments. Oh my God, yeah, I left too. It was awful, wasn't it? No, actually. I have to be honest. Everyone's experiences are different, aren't they, and personal to them. So you can't, you know, you can't judge other people's things from what you went through. Yeah. It's all different. It's all relative. Everything's relative. Yeah. And actually, I don't believe that I would be where I am today if my nan wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. And when I say that, the reason I say that is because the beliefs that Jehovah's Witnesses and Muslims have are very closely intertwined in as much as, um, like, there's no sex before marriage. Um, you don't drink. You don't smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be respectful of your elders that you so Jehovah's Witnesses eat halal meat so I was brought up on halal meat and although I say that and we used to eat pork so I'm not quite sure how that worked and whether they have halal pork I'm I'm not sure that there is such a thing we were quite partial no but my nan even used to eat pork yeah so my because because my granddad's Hungarian that's the main meat that they eat yeah so you know I don't know how, I mean, I'd have to ask my auntie actually how that worked. I actually need to have a conversation with her about mm. that because that's a question that I think to myself, <laughs> how did we eat? We used to stand in line down at the halal butchers down down there and stand in line for like an hour and a half to wait to be served because it was the only halal butchers. Mm. And But we, still eat, we used to eat pork as well. So I'd, I don't understand. So it's a bit of a contradiction in terms, but there you go. But their their reasoning is different. So their reasoning was about, in the Bible, it says that you have to slaughter the animal, drain the blood. Yeah, it's not about the prayer. So Muslims, it's about slaughtering the animal, draining the blood and the prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't for them about the Muslim prayer that happens when the slaughter goes on. So anyway, I digress. So there were quite a lot of similarities. But also, if I hadn't have been a Jehovah's Witness... I would not have gone to what's called the ministerial school. And the ministerial school teaches you to speak to people, have pitch, pace, tone and modulation. Mm-hmm. And I always remembered the things that I was taught in those lessons so that when you're knocking on someone's door, I don't think they do it anymore, but when you're knocking on someone's door, you are engaging so this, the way you talk to them, you engage in them. Yeah. Hello, I've come to talk about Jesus and, <laughs> and Armageddon. You can't be like that. 
you know, you've got to be, hi, I'm coming to talk to you about Jesus and, and the afterlife and blah, blah, you know, like. It's good. It's been good training for me. Yeah, you it has. It has. It has. And I'm not even, so when people, when people leave negative comments, I don't respond to them mm. about being a Jehovah's Witness because actually it's done me really well. Yeah. And the, going back to Adam, he was like, so he said to me, I don't think that I can marry you because you were brought up as Jehovah's Witness. Like, I can't have a nikah with you because you were brought up as Jehovah's Witness. And I don't think it falls under the Christianity umbrella because Muslim men are allowed to marry Jewish women and Christian people of the book. Okay. Yeah, so of the Bible, yeah. And um, so I sat down and I did some soul searching and I said to myself, would it be so bad for me to look at becoming a Muslim? Mm. No, I don't did think Did you it find it easy? I did because I was brought up as Jehovah's Witness yeah. and it's so similar. Like, you know, okay, so Muslims pray five times a day, yeah? And the most important prayer is Friday Jummah prayer, mm -hmm. right? But... Ideally, if you can go to the mosque as many times in the week as possible to pray your five prayers, your five salahs, then you should go, yeah? Um, and as a Jehovah's Witness, we went to church for two hours on a... Oh, it's called the Kingdom Hall, mm -hmm. yeah? People call it church, but it's not. It's the Kingdom Hall. It's Kingdom Hall, two hours on a Sunday, an hour on Tuesday, which was a Bible study group at somebody's house, so that would be like an elder's, so that's the same as an imam, yeah? Their house, and you'd sit down and you'd have to do your homework before you go so you would know at the end of that week at the end of that one what you've got to study for for the next yeah. one so your whole life is based around the religion and that's the same for being yes, a muslim the, the whole studying of the religion yeah. and everything has kind of been quite natural for you yeah to kind of get into yeah i want to know yeah go on because i know that you get loads of comments and slated i'm gonna just go for it go on you get slated for wearing a headscarf, the way that you wear it. I've seen some rubbish comments and I have to bite my tongue. Like when I see it, I kind of want to get all keyboard warrior, you know, and kind of reply to them. And how do you kind of deal with that? How does it affect you? So the reason I wear my headscarf this way is because I had a trauma in my younger life, where if anything's around my neck too tight, I start to panic and I start to feel really anxious, but it becomes overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I did try it around my neck. I did try wearing it and I, I was constantly tugging yeah. and moving it away. I, I even struggle with polar necks, which is crazy, but a polar neck seems less so because it's not attached to my face, but I felt... I tried it and I really, really struggled with it. It caused me a lot of anxiety. And actually in that period of me wearing it, my mental, wearing it around my neck, my mental health really declined. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I spent some time figuring out different ways of wearing it. So I did like, I don't want to say African, but like a lot of African ladies oh, wear like it wrap and they'll spin it and like there's a yeah. little knot on top. I went through a little phase of wearing those. I love it. I but think, it, yeah. It, it looks nice. Look really good. But it wasn't right for day-to-day -day wear. 
that's nice if I'm on holiday or if I'm going to an event, that looks cool and looks nice. But it wasn't, didn't feel right for me on a day-to-day -day mm. event. So I tried, I watched probably 300 tutorials on YouTube. And then this one woman, I kept coming across lots of ladies would do five star, five ways, five ways, five ways to wear your hijab. And then I came across this one woman and she did something quite similar to this, but it wasn't the same. Mm. So she styled it centrally and it was pushed back off her hair. So the front of her hair was showing. And although I can't wear anything around my neck, it's too traumatic. It causes too many problems and I can't afford for my mental health to decline. Absolutely not. Um, I thought, Wearing it with my hair showing at the front was counterproductive because the point of me wearing it is that every strand of hair is covered. Yeah. So I just sat there and played one day and I was like, tried it in the middle. So I tried crossing it in the middle. I tried cross. And then one day I just did it on the side somehow and just kind of developed my own style. Do you know what? That's such an Emily thing. <laughs> There's so many things I can think of. You just literally just sat there figuring something out. Like, even like when we used to do makeup and things like that, just, you'd just be sat there for ages. Yeah, like figuring something out and then turning it into your own style. That is so you. It is. But I like it. I think Thank it looks you. amazing. I've, yeah, it's quite Thank glam. You. I mean, people liken me to, I think, Sheikha Monzo or something. I'd never heard of her until someone mentioned it at an event I was at. And, oh, sorry, I meant, I'd never heard of her, not it. And I looked her up and I was like, oh, yeah, she does look like an older version of me. But she does tend to wear it more pushed back. Mm. But I can There's see no what they mean. There's no set way that you have to wear it, is there? There isn't, but ideally you should wear it covering your neck as well. And in the winter, I do wear polar necks, mm. but I can't wear a polar neck in the summertime. I work from morning till night. I am very active. I'm always doing something and I couldn't cope. I struggle with a polar neck as it is. So if I were to wear a polar neck in the summer and be busy and sweaty and I just couldn't do it. So I had to do a bit of soul searching and say to myself, look, if you're going to do, I mean, it actually happened by mistake. Yeah. So the story behind me putting a headscarf on, apart from at prayer, yeah, because obviously I cover it for prayer regardless. I just gen just chuck one over and half like, yeah, my hair is showing a bit, but I'm only with my husband. So mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal. Um, I went and got all my hair cut off because I was struggling with my hair again, which, you know, has been an ongoing struggle. So I was losing a lot of my hair. I hardly had any hair left. And I know from past experience that the only answer to that for me is to cut it very short mm. and then it will grow back through again thicker I don't know why it does that it just goes through like these cycles so I went and had it really short all around the back and the sides and I then remember I remember when you pretty much shaved it yeah I did completely shaved it off and dyed it blonde I did I had a complete amber what's her name you did yeah amber rose amber rose that's it I did <laughs> I had a complete I, I, I literally had a skinhead and I bleached it blonde she did. Um, I did. I got pictures to prove it. I actually showed someone the other day and they were like, why is that you? Oh my God. Um, so I cut it really short, had it longer on the front. So it still looked quite classy and stylish, but I didn't like it brown because my natural hair colour is very similar to yours. It's almost blacky, but with a red tinge to it. Yeah. 
And I was like, right, I'm just going to bleach it peroxide blonde. So I bleached it peroxide blonde, <laughs> put on the, um, what's the clarifying shampoo, the purple one, and I left it on too long. And so my hair turned purple, Gorgeous. which is not, I mean, for those, I mean, for those who like purple, that's fine. But for me and my look, it just didn't go. I didn't feel comfortable. So I said to Adam, I'm going to have to figure, and that is where the watching the videos came in, right? And how I found this kind of style, changed it into my own thing. And I just started wearing it. And Adam is a really, like, is an iconic statement he made. He said, Allah works in mysterious ways. Absolutely. So he basically was saying to me, your hair went wrong. You shaved your hair, you cut your hair off. It yeah. turned purple for a reason. It was to get you to put the headscarf on. And my hair now is about the same length as yours. But I don't, I'm not going to say that. That would be a lie. So I'll come back to that. I, this is now who I am. It's mm. part of my identity. And Although it's not the typical hijab, headscarf, and I may not conform to the complete round the neck, everything, this is how I am respecting Allah and my husband. Yeah. And I'm trying my best. And there's lots of variations of respecting religion. You know, there's people that you know are obviously like muslim that don't cover you know they may dress modestly but they don't wear a headscarf you know there's all lots of different so you know i think as long as you're being respectful and you're respecting yourself you're respecting your husband wear your headscarf however you want to wear your headscarf also i think this is a really valid point to say is that just because you're wearing a head start scarf and you're covered doesn't mean you're a good Muslim. Absolutely. Yeah, because I remember growing up with girls and being a, a, a young adult after school and having Muslim friends that were covered. And they would do some really naughty mm. things. Yeah. And this was them putting their hijab and their I can't, I can never remember what it's called, the dress. It always slips my mind. But putting one of those dresses over their clothes was like their way of getting around their parents. Mm. So their parents would let them out and then they would literally be going to meeting this boy, that boy, that boy, doing really naughty things with these people. And as soon as they walk through the boy's door, they'd be taking it off and taking their headscarf Absolutely. off. So just because somebody is covered doesn't make them a good Muslim. Yeah. And just because I wear my headscarf like this and I show six inches of my skin on my arm does not make me a bad Muslim. Yes, could I improve? Yes, of course I could. But I am doing the best I can right now. Exactly. Do, will things change later? Who knows? But I am doing the best I can right now. And I have to be honest, and this is, so this is going back to what you said. So the question you asked me was this. How do I deal with it? Mm. So the, I, there are times when in my mind, and I never have said it out loud before now, where I have said to myself, forget this, I'm not wearing it anymore. If people want to criticise me for trying my best, mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about wearing it. And I have to really internally talk myself out of that. And the reason being is because I know, yeah, 
or I feel far more beautiful with my hair showing. I feel far more feminine with my hair showing. Mm -hmm. I feel more womanly. I feel, you know, so all the things that a woman is and the reason why we cover our hair is the thing that I'm battling with when I hear those negative comments. And you know what? 99.9% of the time, those negative comments are coming from other Muslimas. And to me, that is really hard to deal with. Yeah. Because who is anybody to judge anybody? At the end of the day, you don't know why I don't wear... I mean, people now know, yeah? But they nobody knew why I, I, I can't wear something Absolutely. around my neck. It's like some comments that I've seen, you know, like about me and, you know, like the lifestyle that you guys live and, oh, you know, you don't know anything about the other half and all of that. And I think I even put one comment, didn't I? And I was like, don't judge them, you know? Like, you don't know what they've been through or what Emily's been through prior to having all of this. Mm. You know, you you just can't judge people on what you're just purely seeing on, on social media as well. You know, people don't know, like you said, they do now, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know, they don't know what you've come through, what you've been through, the paths that you've taken mm. to now be here. Like, how do you find as well that transition from when we didn't have very much and things like that to now having, like, the wealth? <clears throat> so it's not as easy as people think. One thing I do, and Adam really hates, is when we go food shopping... I always go, flipping heck, I can't believe I just spent £120 on four bags of shopping. And he's like, babe, it's embarrassing, stop it. But in my mind, I'm still that single mum who's struggling to put pennies together. Yeah. And I'm still trying to be frugal. Like, I could buy ev one of everything in the supermarket and go out of the shop, right? And I could, I can afford to do that. Mm. But whenever I go to the supermarket, I'm thinking, right, what is Moo and the others going to have for tea this week? And I'm still financially brokering things in my mind mm. that I was doing when I had no money. So, yeah, I don't, it's not easy to change your mental mindset. Mm. Obviously, it's nice to be able to have nice things now. Because I used to have nice, we used to have nice things before when we We've worked. We've always liked our nice bits and bobs, yeah. haven't we? But we just didn't have it in ex excess. No, of course. Like I had one pair of Gucci GG boots and I had a little matching handbag. I remember that. Do you remember that? <laughs> and, you know, like I'd buy one really nice dress, but I'd wear it on multiple occasions mm. or we'd have nice outfits. But we used to appreciate and and I still do, but it wasn't. I couldn't just walk out and buy something. I'd have to save up and plan and work hard for it, try and get my bonuses. And if I got a bonus, then I'd be able to treat myself to something. Absolutely. So. And we also were, we've always liked handbags and the uh, the good old turkey exclusives. <laughs> shh, shh. I never bought a fake handbag in my life. Never, never. <laughs> Genuine fakes. But, um, I mean... Those were the days when I couldn't afford it. Obviously, now I know that there's like 
that's a whole nother topic. But now I know that there's like a lot of crime related to that. I'm really obviously anti it. But absolutely. But back then I didn't know about it. I didn't have that thought. I just was like, oh, it's, it looks like the real thing. And let me see if I can afford it. Um, but yeah, so it's not. It's not hard, but it's not easy. It's like there's certain parts of it that you take more adjusting to and then other parts of it. Like, you know, for example, going on a holiday and my husband spent a stupid amount of money on hotels. And I was just like, why did you spend so much money when we can stay somewhere that's a little bit further out? We're still driving everywhere anyway. Mm. But he's like, no, you you deserve it, you know. Um, the, you know, you work really hard. We haven't been on holiday for X amount of time. Let's just have nice hotels and let's just yeah. enjoy it. Do you kind of find yourself having like those sort of pinch me moments? I, it all feels still really a bit surreal. So mm. if you mean like that, yeah. yeah, I don't ever like. I'm not ever like, ooh, like excited. But I, it's kind of still feels like it's not reality. Yeah. So I'm still. Emily, well. yeah, I'm adjusting. Still, Emily, that would get a budget. I get a budget every month, yeah, and that budget I make sure it goes wherever it needs to go before I allocate myself. Mm-hmm. So I would never, ever, ever spend money on myself unless all of our bills are paid, unless everything's sorted with the children, all the foods purchased. You know, everything yeah. has to be sorted. But that's just who you are as a person like anyone not you know that's not specific to you but that's just if you're that way yeah you're going to be that way whether you've got a budget of 50 pounds or you've got a bit a budget of fifty thousand pounds like you know but i mean you'll know i used to spend money i had a shopping problem i i used to spend a lot of money yeah yeah, that i didn't have we both we both did yeah and then you get buyer's remorse and then you end up taking majority of it back but now i'm i think what it was is having the children help me budget because i was on such a small income Mm. and i had three mouths to feed and i was getting very little support yeah from whoever and so the money that i was getting i had to i literally wrote a calendar out every month and i would write what came in on what day and what had to go out on what days and i taught myself to budget i think you taught me to budget as well actually i remember yeah and i didn't have that skill until i sat down and said to myself actually this is an issue and you need to address it and i'm quite good at doing that um and i can be quite pragmatic so that was when things kind of changed for me Mm. and i think i still have that mindset and i will always have that mindset i will always make sure that everybody else is sorted and then if i've got something left over i half save and half spend it's just how i do it yeah um my husband's very generous with me. He, you know, he is, bless him. He's very generous. And if I asked for something, he would never say no. You know, unless all of our our uh, liquid funds had been tied up in something, mm. like this, something really big. And he's like, actually, we need to not do that anything this month. So yeah. can you just, just wait till next month? Which can happen now and again. And I'm sure yeah. that's not a problem. Yeah, no, of course it's you not. Know? And if, and, and I'm, ve- you know, and to be honest, I try not to ask for anything. 
mm-hmm. you know, because I do have my own budget and I do spend it wisely and I am quite frugal because of my past, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, so, and he does look after me, you know, in every way I need. So in, you know, in every aspect and obviously we're working in the business together. So everything that we, we earn for the business is ours, but I still say to him, just give me a small budget. Just give me a budget that I can stick to because I don't want to have unlimited funds because I think that's when you can become less wealthy. Yeah. And I think that's when your attitude and everything can then change. Mm. Cause that's one thing you haven't changed. <laughs> like, I hope not. I don't think you have. Thank you. You know, no, I think you're still you. You're still that Emily that I can have a laugh and a chat with. I don't think that it's changed you. Do you feel that you're still the same? So I feel like I'm, I feel like when we were really close, I was very topsy-turvy and I didn't cope with life very well because of traumas and everything like childhood traumas and whatever I feel like now I'm like this really level person just karma I'm so definitely calm. Karma. but some like they did a TikTok the other day and it was what makes you happy and I said peace of mind mm-hmm. and I swear to you that was my honest response because I could have said money it's th- no it's not I could have said my family no it's not because I can have a family without peace of mind and I'm not happy if mm-hmm. if I'm struggling financially, I'm not going to be happy because I've got a family. Peace of mind makes me a good mum. Peace yeah. of mind makes me happy in my relationship. Peace of mind makes me a good at my job um, and a good example to my children and whoever else wants to see me as an example. Mm. How do you, because obviously, especially like where we're from and things like that, And just generally as well, because there's a lot of crazy people out there. Mm. When we succeed in some way or another within life, you always get a lot of haters. How how do you cope with that? I'll be honest, it's a struggle. Mm. Because you know me and I'm not one to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Something you that's something you know about me is that I'm quite happy to stand up for myself and for others. I'll actually stand up for others before I stand up for mm-hmm. myself. And I've always been quite fierce like that. And so for me that's the hardest part is keeping my mouth shut because to be honest with you when someone starts getting bitter and and spiteful, I just want to tell them about themselves and say Absolutely. you're just you're just you're sad you're you're a sad person because inside you there's so much hate that you have to get it out on a keyboard. Mm. And that is not a reflection of me or what I'm doing. That's a reflection of you and how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but having that feeling, I have to remember that one, I'm setting an example as a Muslim. So I can't be like that. Two, I'm setting an example as a woman in business so I can't be like that Mm -hmm. so there's I have these little reminders you know and also I'm going out tonight I'm actually leaving in very soon because I told you it's the 27th night of Ramadan okay Okay. it's a very important night for us it's the night when the Quran came down okay? okay and our prayers and our our 
Quran reading is very important today. So I'm going to be heading off to an event with Mufti Menk, who actually coincidentally helped me become a Muslim because it was his talks, it was his videos and the way that he described Islam that helped me learn and want to become one. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to this talk and he's going to be there tonight. And he said something on a video not so long ago. And he said... Anger is from the shaitan, which means the devil, yeah? Mm -hmm. And you should never let anger enter into you because it's, a, it's an emotion that comes from him. And when he said that, it just like something clicked in my brain. I can't explain it. When I got a 14-year-old, trust me, she wants to test me daily. Absolutely. And there are times when I do get angry <laughs> because I'm a human being. But when I heard that and I heard him say that, it was like something changed in me. It was like instantaneously. So that those feelings that I used to have, I don't have them towards those people anymore. I just feel sorry for them. Yeah. I think I've kind of learned to do that as well. You know, over the years, you know, you have people talking about you behind your back, mm. spreading rumours, whatever. And I just think... You it's know, not worth it. no. It's just not worth it. It's not worth even paying it any mind. As a Muslim, I can't retaliate, mm -hmm. yeah, because it goes against our beliefs. We're peaceful people. You can respond in a respectful way, but actually because of social media, I can't respond because no. whatever I respond, there's always going to be someone giving a negative response to that. And we've got such a massive platform now that I have to be mindful of that. So there was a period of time when I was responding to people and I was responding respectfully. Mm -hmm. I wasn't responding in a negative way. I was responding respectfully. And the team said to me that you just can't do it. It's no good. You know, it's not worth your time. And it's not. I have got so much positivity in my life and so many good things happening. And those things have only happened because I changed my mindset. Yeah. 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 Well, if you stay in that sort of, you know, retaliation, bitter. You become you're just, it. You're yeah, as bad as them. It's just going to eat you up, isn't it? And that's where you stick and stay. Yeah. And then you're just becoming like them. And I don't want to be that person. I did have a very negative, long period of my life where everything that came out of my mouth was negative. Mm -hmm. Everything I thought was negative. I never thought I was good enough. I never thought I was capable. I never thought I could do this. And life was bad and I hated life and I times I wanted to take my life and I was depressed and I was anxious and everything's awful and everyone's around me is of like and just constant I didn't sleep because I constantly have things whirring around in my head you know overthinking and I don't have any of that anymore mm. I literally can lie on my bed put my head down and I can sleep and if any, for any reason I can't sleep I literally will pick up my phone, I'll listen to some prayers, like a, a brother or a sister saying prayers, and I will and then I'll go to sleep. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. So my whole It's literally become your peace. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. And like people say, Oh, you only married him for his money, or you only became a Muslim because he forced you to so you could get his money. Right, let's make something clear here. When I met my husband, he was not rolling in it. He had money, but he was not rolling in it. We have built this together. And you know what? I've 
we've parted ways now, but I was talking recently with someone and I'd reposted something of you guys. I think okay. you were in Dubai. Yeah. Remember, and I was like, kind of like bigging you up mm -hmm. you know I was like that's my bestie like I'm really proud of you thank you and this person actually had to go at me over that yeah and because I was you know like bigging up my best friend who's got this huge wealth and you know I was like like that's my friend like she's absolutely flying right now like look at her you know like going on private jets and all of that and um yeah and it's like and they were like oh but we know how she's got that though and I was like well what's that supposed to mean because obviously then my attitude came out because mm. you know and you've also got my back so Absolutely. if anybody's negative about me of you're course. gonna back yeah 100% and this is someone that should have had my back also you know mm. but yeah so I was like well what's that supposed to mean and, you know, they were like, well, her husband's wealthy. And it's like, why, like, why would you just assume that, mm -hmm. you know? So then I, obviously I'm going to defend you, but I was like, well, actually, you know, they've built what they have now together. Mm. You know, I remember, well, obviously, uh, you know, I've, I've known like your whole relationship. I know... I met Adam before you guys got married. Mm. And, you know, I know, yeah, okay, like you just said, he had some money. But what you guys have now, you've like 100% built together. And I I know that you definitely have your 10 pence worth and... Yeah, 100%. I make as many of the decisions mm. and things as Adam does. Yeah, I mean, my husband doesn't make a decision without us talking about it first, and he will always take on board my advice. Yeah, and it's very much a joint venture, 100%. joint gains. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this isn't the only thing we do. People see Love Luxury because that's what's in social media, but they don't know everything else we do as well. There's mm. so many other things that we're doing, and and... We are in that, we're in everything together and we have built this together. And at the end of the day, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am without him, but same ways, he wouldn't be where he is without me. Mm -hmm. And it is something that we work on together, you know, we struggle with together, you know, we, everything is us and we don't have investors. We make sure that, there's been times where we'd be tempted, don't get me wrong. Like, just for someone to put in cash injections into your business mm. without you having to do that is a nice, sounds nice, but we've worked too hard to be giving up percentages of our businesses to anybody. Yeah. And it's that, to me, is more hurtful. When I see Muslims and non-Muslims making comments about my children, obviously, is the first thing that hurts me the Absolutely. most. Absolutely. Of course, no need for Mama it. Bear, it's not necessary. There's no need for it. Yeah, she's a little girl. She loves what she does. Just be quiet and mind your own business. Simple as that. But when it comes to me and my husband, one, them saying that I look like his mum, I just find that... What? Yeah, I get it all the time. Oh, she looks like his mum. She looks like the little girl's grandma. I get it all the time. That, to me, why would you even say that to, to a couple that you know is married? If he... 
doesn't have a problem with how I look, yeah, why should you have a problem with how mm. I look? And why does your opinion of what how I look in age to you matter to my husband? It doesn't. Yeah, like say what even if you were older than but, but I'm know. not. I mean I mean the age gap between us is so small that mm. it's not even I couldn't have had him as my child, you know. Of course not. But <laughs> I see things like that. But then when I see things like, oh, she only became a Muslim so she could get his money. Mm. She only became a Muslim because he forced her to. She's only wearing her headscarf because he forces her to. Listen, yeah, I'm going to say this to everybody. My husband could not force me to do anything. You know me better than anyone. That's there is no, <laughs> There is no man on this planet that could no. force me to do anything no i do you remember my little saying when men used to try it i'd be like listen my dad doesn't even tell me what to do how do you think you're going to <laughs> didn't i do you remember absolutely you had so many little sayings like <laughs> i did but that but it's true you what i might i didn't even grow up with a dad telling me what to do how do you think you're gonna yeah. come into my life and try telling me what to do and that's why i used to get the beatings that I got from him, that one we spoke about earlier, mm, because mm. I wouldn't comply. Yeah. And I was my own person. And I was like, but no, that I can't do that. It's not right for me. You know? And but and he wanted a yes, uh, yes, 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 my yes, babe, yes, no, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not that I'm not that person. Not you. you know? That is not you no. at all. And my husband will be the first person to say it. He'll be like, he'll say to people, "You cannot make my wife do anything she doesn't want to do." If my if I if my husband puts something to me and I say no, yeah, and it's something that he feels strongly about, mm. we will sit down and he will say to me, "Babe, look at it from this perspective. Think about it like this." He'll put his bits of information forward, and then if I want, if I if I've thought about it in a different light. Or he, because I can see it's important to him, then I might change my view. Mm -hmm. But there's certain things I just will not change my view on. And there's no man on this earth that could force me to wear a headscarf. There's no man on this earth that could force me to become a Muslim. I saw one of the comments yesterday actually saying something about no amount of money would make me wear a headscarf. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I saw that one as well. Yeah, because you haven't got Dean in your heart. You're not. If you're not a Muslim, why would you need to wear a headscarf? But let's not let's not forget, yeah, that Jesus's mother wore a headscarf. Exactly. Yeah? And nuns, Catholic I was nuns, just wear headscarves. Yeah, there's so, lots and lots of religions yeah. where hair is covered. Mm. Rastafarianism, yeah. hair is covered. Yeah, yeah. You it's know. not the only one. Jews, you know. I think most. Yeah, most religions. Yeah. You should, if you're going to follow it properly, cover your hair. I mean, even my nan. So my nan would make dinner and then my uncle would come around and she'd say a prayer. But because he was a man, she'd have to cover her hair mm -hmm. to pray while he was there. And um, so it, it it is quite universal. So I'd, things like the silly comments like that doesn't bother me at all it doesn't bother me and it's not about it was never about money it was never about anything and you know what I will say this as soon as I started covering my hair as soon as me and my husband stopped drinking alcohol because we used to drink alcohol we used to go out clubbing we used to drink alcohol we weren't on our dean yeah as soon as we started following the path the correct path and trying our best at being good Muslims and praying and doing as much as we could it was like our business went from going like that, it went like that. I swear to you, 
it was like Allah blessed us in so many ways. Mm. It was nuts, like to see and even feel it, like to feel that my prayers, when I make dua, when I'm driving to work, because I'll turn them, if Adam puts like a, a, a music on, I'll turn it off and I'll literally be praying from my house to five minutes away from the shop. And that's 25 minutes of driving. Yeah, and I'll be praying in my head mm -hmm. and having my conversations with Allah. And I swear to you, whenever I do that, yeah, and some days I'm in a rush or I'm on a phone call, so I can't, yeah. But whenever I do that, my prayers are always answered. Mm. And I have so much faith in him as my God, as my Lord. I won't say God, my Lord. I know he's got my back. And it doesn't matter if these sisters are out there cussing me out because I'm not dressing how they want me to dress or how they feel that I should be dressed or how that the Quran is telling them that I should be dressed. I'm doing my best. Mm. And Allah knows my intention and my exactly. heart. Exactly. And at the That's end of the matters. day, you know, like, are they following everything spot on perfectly, 100%? I mean, I think to leave a negative comment on somebody's Absolutely post goes against not. being a, a, a good Muslim anyway. So, Well, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. I mean, we're supposed to, and as women, we're supposed to be supporting each other as well. 100%. You know. Women should just be doing that anyway, regardless of religion, you know, anything ethnicity anything i agree we should all be bigging each other up i believe that empowered women empower women yeah they do you yeah. know like we should mm. if you have the confidence and all of that in yourself mm. you should then be passing that on to other women of course 100 percent. but you'll find i find and i know you will have come across it as well that there's always going to be people when they see you doing well whether it's man or woman that are going to try tearing you down I still get it to this day. Same. same. And it, it doesn't matter how nice of a person you are, how clean your heart is. Those people, like I said, have got some sadness inside them. And it's, I feel sad for them. I yeah. hope that one day they find, they find what I found. I hope they find something that makes them level, mm. that makes them pe have peace of mind, that gives them that relaxed state that they don't feel those horrible emotions anymore because I don't feel them. I don't have that. I don't feel jealousy towards anybody. I'll say, oh, I'm so gel, but it's in a good mm. way. Like, because I'm so proud of someone, mm. you know, like when someone does something, they get something. I'm so happy for other people and there's so few and little of that. But you and I, for each other, have both got that. And so I what brought you on today for us to have a chat, but also so that I could thank you because of all my friends, you're the... Don't be uh, making me cry again. You know when you sent me that I know, message. I, know. I was in Asda. Because <laughs> some of us don't go shopping in Harrods. <laughs> in Asda, doing the food shop. And I get this message from you. Yeah. Bit of a friendship appreciation. I literally but like bawled my eyes out in the middle of Asda. <laughs> sorry, sorry, but not sorry. But yeah, I am. And I just wanted to say to you how appreciative I, I am of you and your, and your friendship and your support of me. And I do see that you have got my back on social media. And I know that you've got it in real life as well. Because of all my friends, you're the only one that's taken the time out to come and visit me at the shop because you know how busy I am. And you're the only one that, doesn't drive so I know how hard that is for you to get up here to do that as well so I am really grateful to you for your friendship and I love you to bits still like a sister 
I know we don't see each other much, but no. I do I do value you very deeply and, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Emily Abraham Presents the Love Luxury Podcast with my bestie, my BFF forever, Sarah. <laughs> and if you have any comments or questions, don't forget to drop them down below.